Hello, everybody, and welcome to Module 9 in our mini-series on how to start a family office. We're going to talk now about investment structure strategies. The challenge of this is that I do a five-and-a-half-hour workshop on this topic, and I'd like to cover this in about five-and-a-half minutes. So we're not going to go super deep on any one topic or strategy. I just want to open your mind to all of the different strategies that exist. My experience has been that families who just had a liquidity event or just started making a million dollars a year, maybe in the last three to five years, are unaware of 90% of what I'm about to say. Uh, families who have been closing creative deals for the last two decades are aware of 70 to 80% of what I'm about to say. Um, so this is something that the faster you can get on top of different structures that can align different parties and protect your interests, the better. Here's a, a bunch of examples of why structure is just as important as strategy, sometimes more important than strategy. If you show me a deal and it is a mediocre deal, but you let me structure it however I want to, then I can have it so that I have all the collateral, that I get all the dividends first, that all my money comes out first, and I get 99% of the profits and you get 1% of the profits, and you have risk and I don't have risk in the deal. Um, if you take a deal that is excellent, and then you structure it so it's poor uh, for you, then you can ruin the deal. And so in some ways, the structure matters more than the strategy or is at least as important. And if every deal you do is structured in a superior way, it's really going to protect your balance sheet and grow your net worth over time. Here's a bunch of different structures to consider. We've closed over a dozen deals using gross revenue royalty structures. This is where we invest, let's say, in a medical practice with 10 locations doing... $30 million a year in revenue, $6 million a year in profits. And when the investor comes in, they get royalties every month or every quarter paid out, let's say 4% of the gross revenues of that company. And those royalties continue until a certain threshold is met or they continue in perpetuity. It depends on how the deal is structured. Many times we'll do a deal where the investors get a 2x return on their money. They're left with a little equity kicker, maybe some equity shares in the company in case they sell to private equity one day for an enormous sum. And that way, they're not capped at a 2x return, but we're rushing them to a 2x return, and then they have some additional upside. Uh, another structure strategy is related to having different LLC share classes based on who's running the business, who's a passive investor, who's active. And some share classes could allow you to um, have more collateral behind it or get different types of dividends or get different types of profit sharing or a different equity split when the company is sold versus the day-to-day -day business. I have a friend who I was uh, one of his first two investors when he started his fintech company. and He's now sold it to a billionaire, and now he's looking uh, to eventually uh, launch another venture. If we launch that other venture together, I would help capitalize his business, um, but I need him to be very motivated and to have an income to support him and his family and have it be fair. And so until he makes 300000 a year and then 500000 a year, um, he will get, let's say, 80% and 66% of all of the income coming in paid out to his share class. But if the company ever sells, we may be 50-50 partners. That's the reason to have different share classes. Another type of structure to keep in mind is a de-risking of who gets paid out first in an investment structure. We did this with a series of um, pieces of intellectual property we bought earlier this year. Um, I had put in $180,000 uh, of my capital. And then I was asking investors to put up $350,000 of their capital. One investor came in and filled the whole deal. And what we did was say, well, any dividends or returns first go back to you 
to get all your money back in your pocket. Then we split thing. Then then the money comes back to put all the money back in my pocket for my 180, and then we split it based on the equity split in the deal. This way, they're getting de-risked before I get de-risked because I'm the one running the deal. If it doesn't go well, it's 70% my fault, right? You can always blame the market or have some excuse, but at the end of the day, it was my idea. I had conviction in the idea, so my money's more at risk than theirs. Another type of structure is a equity gap fee. This would be an example in the short-term rental space. We just bought a property in Sedona on an acre. It has two properties on it. We got it for $925,000. It's going to sleep 25 plus people. It'll be an awesome property once it's live here in the next couple months. With that type of a deal, our construction partner uh, found the deal. They're managing the construction process. They're going to manage the <coughs> Airbnb rental property management. And we negotiated down about half of market rate fees on it. Um, and we did an equity gap fee. What that means is that we're 50-50 partners, but we invested as if we were buying 60% of the property. So they made an upfront equity fee. Uh, they jumped up to 50-50 partners, but only put in 40% of the equity, and they're happy, and I don't get charged a construction management fee, and I don't get charged really high property management fees, um, and we know going in that we're 50-50 from the beginning. So that type of a strategy um, you can use in different situations where you're not sure how to compensate the other party and they're wanting some complex formula of a profit share and a preferred return. You can just simply do an equity gap fee that you're both reasonably happy with and then move forward with the deal from that point. Um, other types of things to consider would be to look at vesting schedules. You could have advisory shares in a company that you're investing in. And maybe if you think you could really add a lot of strategic value as a family office or a strategic investor, uh, like one company we invested recently, we got an extra 2.5% of the company because of our strategic value. In another one, we got 2% equity without investing anything. In either of those cases, you can have it so that vesting equity uh, comes in over a three-year period. But if you add enormous value, the CEO at their discretion can vest you early. And that way, if you make a connection and help them land the biggest client they've had in their five years of operating history, two months after you sign that agreement, as that client gets warmed up, you can kind of remind them and say, hey, if this client closes, you're going to fully vest me. I don't have to wait three years now, right? Because this is enormous value, right? And um, that can be something where if you're going to be adding consistent value, then maybe every three months, six months, or one year, you're locking in some of that equity. And if you left part of the way through the schedule, you vested some equity. Now they'd have to buy you out to completely remove you or wait till the company sells. And so having vesting schedules for key employees, for C-suite executives, for strategic investors, for advisory board members can be a great way to structure deals and also keep in mind when you're trying to convince somebody else to give you advisory shares or the strategic value you could add or that you should get some sweetheart valuation when you invest because you made all your money in the stem cell area or manufacturing or dental clinics or medical clinics or whatever it is. Um, then you can kind of put your money where your mouth is and say, okay, I don't want you to lose any sleep at night about me not adding value. I know I can add a ton of value. So why don't we have it be vesting over time? And if I don't add the value, you just politely or non-politely tell me to go away. And I go away and I don't have any equity. Um, if I know I can add a ton of value, then why don't I invest and buy 5% of your company? But if I add all the value I say I'm going to, I'm going to double the size of your company and I'd like to own 10% or 20% of your company and have you keep running it. Uh, remember, one of the most powerful things you can do as a family office is to focus your energy on where you enjoy working, you're passionate, it leverages your background, your DNA, 
You have a distinct advantage over others. You can help with distribution, playing defense and offense. And the key is being known as the first person who gets to see a deal or the most strategically valuable investor on a deal, because then you're going to see deals uh, first exclusively and at a better valuation than anybody else. If you can do that over and over and over again, then it'll just build momentum because you'll have more deals done. And then more people want to show you deals first because you're so specialized in helping them. And you have so many references, so many case studies, so many things you can point to. And then you're learning and building your mental models in your mind of how you play your role as a strategic investor and having a really strong game on that. Out of this whole mini series on how to create a family office, getting what I just said right, if you missed that, then go back and rewind that, that you need to be the first, the, the one who exclusively sees the deal. You see it first at a better valuation so you can move forward with high conviction and conduct faster due diligence and add a ton of strategic value to the deals you do, then it's going to change your financial life and it's going to change your balance sheet rapidly. So I hope you enjoyed this video on investment structure strategies. I love talking about this topic. Um, you'll see in all the deals we do that we structure it very creative way. With medical practices, we're usually doubling your money as an investor, and then you're left with an equity kicker. The CEO of the medical practice is happy. They didn't get diluted by as much as they would have by taking on a normal investor. And then you're typically happy as an investor because you doubled your money, plus you have some future upside. And then within InvestorResidences.com or Short-Term Rental Property Fund, uh, we're the only one of the only Airbnb uh, short-term rental funds out there. And we're the only fund we know of that we don't need to make money off you short-term or even medium-term because we make enough money in our core business. So we're one of the only ones out there who not only get you all of your money back before charging you a dollar of asset management fees, we double your money before we make a profit or charge any asset management fees anywhere. Um, and since you know we're doubling your money before we benefit, we are more aligned than any other real estate investment group or fund or developer that you could possibly invest with because everyone else is charging you acquisition fees, annual management fees, disposition fees, financing fees, capital raiser fees, hidden fees that you have never even heard of because they're buried in their fund docs. Um, with ours, that's, that's not the case. And the reason we spent seven months structuring our InvestorResidences.com short-term rental property fund that way is because we have ran our investor club for 15 years. We've hosted 185 live events, we've written 13 books, we've put out, recorded over 3,000 videos, and we know what investors complain about and we know what investors request. And we thought to ourselves, what would be the most ideal structure that investors would really respect and would remove friction from the situation? Um, just like how we start family offices for families, we don't charge anything. We just remove that friction, add value first, and then business goes a lot faster once you've already de-risked the experience for somebody and added value before they've spent a dollar with you or before you've charged them a dollar. So hope you enjoyed this video. We'll see you on module number 10, which is going to be $1 million family office mistakes. Um, we're going to be listing off a whole bunch of them and just avoiding a single one of them um, could get you a 100x return on the time you spent watching that module.